Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Graysale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet RI, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today, we have Tony Award-winning composer, arranger, music supervisor, and performer, Justin Levine. He arranged the orchestrations for the 10-time Tony Award-winning musical, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is the story of a bohemian poet living in 1899 Paris who falls for a beautiful courtesan at the legendary nightclub Moulin Rouge, and it's all set to a score of contemporary pop songs. Moulin Rouge will be at the Providence Performing Arts Center from December 19th through the 31st. Hi, Justin. Yes. Hi, this is John Fusick from Motif Magazine. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. So uh, you're the musical supervisor for Moulin Rouge. I am guilty. You're guilty. <laughs> yes. Where is it the show is at right now? Right now, we're on Broadway, we're on tour, we're in London, we're in Germany, and we're in Australia. Wow. And you're involved in all of these? Uh, I'm involved in all those productions. Um, there's actually also a production happening in Scandinavia right now that is... Uh, it's actually an, a, a licensed non-replica production, so it's not. While it's not our production, it's my arrangements and orchestrations. Now, when these are in other countries that have different languages, are they converted to the lang- native language, or they they stick in English? It's a little bit different with each territory based on what their audience goes for. Um, In the case of uh, Germany, for example, goal was from the Germans to always translate as much of it as possible into German, including the lyrics. And that English is used where they felt it was necessary for one reason or another, but their desire was always to put as much of it via the German language. Now, do you translate the songs as well? They have been, they did that in Germany. Pretty much any song that we had the ri- that they had the rights to translate, because some some of the rights holders said no to to changing lyrics. For the most part, the vast majority of the show is sung in German. So, are you on the road with the show now, or you were at home? No, I'm at home. So basically, my role is at this point is I help set up each of these companies mm-hmm. and, and set up the music departments and work with them and then I try to for the fun productions I try to go twice a year to see them but I'm in constant contact with the various a- MDs in these in these places now you arranged the music for this you want is this yes. what you want a Tony for uh, yes I, I want a Tony so there is no category for uh, arrangements, but there there is one for orchestrations. So that's the category that I got a Tony for. A lot of the music in this uh, production is pop songs. Did mm-hmm. you rearrange the pop songs for the musical, or did you write additional scores? Or uh, both. both. I did a lot of. Um, I mean, I, I I did all the arranging in terms of building the medleys and building the score and then as an orchestrator i worked with my collaborators matt stein and then i worked with uh, and i worked with katie Kresic and charlie rosen what did they have to do with the production so katie and charlie well matt matt's title on the show is music producer so he also worked with me to produce all of the track material and ableton programming that we that we did 
Charlie and Katie and Matt and I collaborated as an orchestrating team where basically I made a bunch of uh, the, w the way we built it was I made a bunch of demos in the studio with Matt Stein. And then we had Katie and Charlie primarily focus. So Katie, Katie is a, a brilliant string player. So she focused primarily on the strings. Charlie, very prolific horn arranger, did the horns and reeds. Now you mentioned uh, track production. Now, is there going to be a live orchestra or is it going to be a pre-recorded yes. sound oh it will be a live There's orchestra always, so on broadway we have 14 live musicians the ableton programming is not used to the, the ableton programming is used to enhance the live sound now what is ableton programming ableton is a pro is a program that's often used in live settings to make to to have track track material accompany live playing. So sometimes it's used to augment the sound of a group. Other times it's used because the sounds that you're generating are perhaps non-instrumental sounds or they are beats that you want to be interacting with what the drummer is doing. Mm -hmm. It can be used for a number of different things, but it has a lot of flexibility in terms of tempo mapping, and it's it, it also helps establish where there are vamps and safeties, and it's, it's sort of its its own its own entity. How does the band work with this? Does it primarily go through the percussionist, the drummer, as in in their ears? It, and uh... no, it, it goes through the um, the conductor controls Ableton in the performance of the show. And so the musicians ha can, they have click in their ear so they can hear when, for example, a tempo changes. Don't necessarily need to have any of that track material in their ear, but they can if they, if they wish. I typically, when I s sit in, I like to sit in the pit and listen to the band. I often don't have it on at all because I, I, I love to hear the, all the live elements of the show. And it's, a, it's also a helpful reminder that that is not only the foundation and the core, but it, it's essential to the sound of the show. So that if Ableton were to fail during the show, you're taken care of. You, you already have the meat of the dish. What are some of the uh, musical numbers? I know a lot of the only... I've only seen the movie once, so this is all I really know. I know the story. I know... I don't remember the songs other than uh, the Voulez-vous Coucher song. That's about the mm -hmm. only one I know. But what are some of the other songs that are in this production? Well, so from the f uh, signature moments from the film that are in our production include lady marmalade include because you can't because we can which is the um fat boy slim version of the off and lock can can and the your song by elton john is a notable moment oh that's right you and mcgregor sings that one in the movie doesn't he yeah yeah roxanne what else i mean so many we i we we definitely managed to get the majority of the music featured in the movie. Oh, so it, it varies a little bit from the movie? Well, it does in the sense that I that we've expanded upon it. It, it was when we when we went into building the show, the goal was always to preserve as much of the movie score as possible as it suited the stage adaptation. So in 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 some cases, we didn't include music because the storytelling was different on stage. And now, how is it? Cases, how does it vary from the film? One example is that Satine in um, in the film sings the song "One Day I'll Fly Away" because that's her wish, and in our version, she 
doesn't want to fly away. She wants to stay and save the club and preserve her home. She doesn't sing that song, then? She doesn't sing that song. Does there a song um, that replaces that? In a way, yes, that she... So her, what we would call in a musical, an I Want song, she, she sings Firework, but comes at a different moment in the story than One Day I'll Fly Away does. You know, basically, in One Day I'll Fly Away, we've already established a love triangle. Most of the the dramatic elements have been set input, you know, set into action. And in this case, we're witnessing a private moment with Satine where she's looking in the mirror and she has to psych herself up to save the club, the Duke on board to invest. Like I said, I've only seen it once, and I I remember Nicole is. Is she the one that Nicole Kidman was, or somebody else? Correct. All right. Yes. Wasn't she dying of tuberculosis in the film? She she sure was. Is she does does that happen in the the uh, musical as well? It does. Okay, I didn't know if because you changed the story, I didn't know if you changed the, that part of the storyline. No, that element of it uh, stays the same. Okay. You obviously have the can can dance in the in the show because that's a big part of the Moulin Rouge, correct? Yes. Uh, you said that the Fat Boy Slim version is the one that you do. Well, in the film, where where they dance the can can, it is a um, where they dance the can can. It is musically what they do is they use this remix that uh, Fat Boy Slim does, and so we do our own version of that and incorporate more of the Offenbach, which was the popular song associated with the Can-Can at the time. As far as the stage setting, now the Moulin Rouge is famous for that windmill look of the the club. Mm -hmm. Is that featured on the stage set? It is. And the film had a lot of neon and such in it? Uh, Yes, we do have neon. Was that the stage set for the entire show, or does it vary, or is it... No, we go through various settings. We have, for example, we go into Lautrec's garret, you know? You use his his paintings? Uh, We do use his paintings. We use his imagery, his aesthetic, but there are are a number of locations in the show. Uh, Sometimes it's the streets of Montmartre. Sometimes it's Lautrec's garret sometimes it is backstage at the moulin rouge Satine's dressing room the elephant things like that so this is a two hour and 20 minute show it's about two and a half hours that's about two and a half hours now was that longer than the movie itself um i'm not sure what songs have been added that are different from the film do you do you know offhand um i can list some of them sure um, we have included sam i'm going in order in my head um <laughs> I don't know the exact number of songs that were used in the film. Well, just, you know, just an off, you know... Uh, if I were going to guess, the song, the, the film probably features about 30 or 40 songs referenced, mm-hmm. big or small. And what we did ultimately resulted in about 70-plus songs. Wow, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of songs. Yeah. Note, some notable examples would be we've included some Beyonce, some... Lady Gaga, some Rihanna. We've included all sorts. Tina Turner, Queen. These songs weren't even, some of these weren't even around. Uh, This movie is like 20 years old, isn't it? So some of these artists, I mean, I don't think Lady Gaga was popular back then, so this is new to the, totally new to... Yeah, so in some cases, we... To make it more contemporary? Yeah, we just took advantage of the time. I, You know, in my mind, it was never about updating the show to modernize it. It was more about taking the idea that Baz and his team had, had created for the film and just taking advantage of 
great music that's been written since the film came out, and much of which I'd like to think would have been at least considered for the film if it, if it had come out. Now, you chose, you personally chose these songs. I chose them alongside my collaborators on creating, when creating the show. Okay. As far as your background, what are you, what is your background? You mean in terms of my training? Yes. So I was actually a drama major with a minor in English. So I, I don't have a formal musical background. Do you play um, an instrument? I, was, I do. I play um, piano. I play guitar. I play a bit of mandolin. But I'm 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 primarily a piano player. Now, are you a, a performer outside of your role in Broadway? I am. I'd like you know not as much as I'd like to because making theater is so all encompassing. But um, I you know I've been in bands. I've toured with musicians. Recorded on albums and things. But I um, yeah a little a little bit of everything. Do you write? I do. Do you have any uh, examples of your music that you could send to me that I could include in this podcast? Sure. I have a um, I, I have a song that I can share with you that we just released. Uh, I'm one of the composers and writers of a musical adaptation of The Outsiders. And so for for that, I have we, we've just released a song that I can share with you from that. Excuse me, Mr. Dickens. I've got something on my mind. I've tried, but I can't seem to let it go Lately I've been thinking about that little orphan boy Whose parents died and left him all alone Then an outlaw came one fateful day While standing at his parents' grave and offered him another way to climb And I wonder Is that orphan story mine? All these great expectations Meet these great revelations Am I the one in control is it all predetermined am i playing a role part of a story foretold daryl was on his way up in the world everyone knew he'd go far Life came along and had different plans How quickly a dream falls apart Johnny has no kind of chance in this world Not from where he's at to start Who knows how far in this life he could go If he played a different part I look around at all of my friends And still I feel alone I would fall their story is not my own They say the strength in numbers But they never think it all About a path that leads you out Beyond these city walls I've got great expectations Great expectations
torn between what is and what could be It's hard to write the story When the story is writing me When this great expectation Meets this grave revelation Maybe this cover's not yours When your book's full of creases And you see that the grease is Telling a story But you've read that one before So you find just to show them That you're not all the same That under the cover There's more. You said you've toured. You have you toured with any musicians of note, or just on your own, or? Yes, I've toured with. So uh, I've toured with my collaborators on the Outsiders. The band is called Jamestown Revival. We we've toured with Willie Nelson and the Avic Brothers. I've I've performed backup for Adele. I performed on a, on a small side project with pop singer Lord. I also, one of my other jobs is I, I'm the music supervisor of the Met Gala. And so through that, I've worked with um, artists like uh, Lizzo, Audra McDonald, Casey Musgraves, and sort of a, a whole host of collaborators. So you've, you've worked with people right across the board. You don't really have a specific genre that you stick with you're you're pretty adaptable i guess yeah you know i i i recently heard um an interview with paul simon where he sort of pushed back on the notion of world music as a genre of music because it sort of suggests that somehow american music is not world music when in fact it is an amalgamation of so many different musical traditions much as many musical genres are and I think it's about what, what draws you in. I can't say I love all music, but I'm, I'm definitely, definitely don't discriminate along the lines of genre. Hmm. So are you based in New York or somewhere else? Um, I live a little bit north of New York City. A little cheaper? Honestly, it's, it's not. It's just more about how nature. Nature is very important to me. I'm not a big fan of cities. I, I like the woods. I, I kind of live in the woodsies area. Cities kind of get me a little anxious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I lived in New York City for almost 20 years and then really felt like it was time to find more balance and find greenery beyond Central Park. So I managed to carve out a little a little space for that so that I can, and I still commute into the city, but it's it's it, it's a nice way to regulate myself. Well, that's a good thing. You need that for creativity and peace of mind. Absolutely. So uh, one of the shows that you worked on was something with David Byrne. How was that experience? It was great. So that was Here Lies Love. Here Lies Love was a show that I started. I joined that team back in... I guess it was 2011 and we started yeah that was when i joined and we were still developing the show and then in just this this past year we it had a short run on broadway but it but before that we had many many other productions notably at the public in new york city at the public theater we did it in uh, at the national theater in london 
we did it at Seattle Rep. It's had many lives. Working with David is, is great. I really find him to be so inspiring in his sort of seemingly endless fountain of creativity. That's his uh, RISD alumni. He, he, he started out in right. Rhode Island doing doing That's stuff with the, the talking heads. Yep, the talking heads in Rhode Island. Yep. So uh, what other shows have you worked with you might want to mention? Well, I definitely want to mention The Outsiders because that's the next thing coming in and it's something I'm really excited about. It, you know, it's based on the S.E. Hinton novel from 1967. It also, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique project in that I'm working on it as a co-composer and also co-book writer, Adam Rapp, and we have an incredible director, Donya Tamor, and we are coming in this spring. And will it be in previews in Broadway, or will state start right on the uh, main theaters or off theaters? We'll start in, well, so we, we already did our out-of-town tryout at the La Jolla Playhouse mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year, and we've been developing it further and doing readings and, and movement workshops and writing sessions throughout the year and so it'll be yeah we'll 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 open on broadway we'll start previews on broadway in march nice all right so uh anything you want to add to uh maybe get folks excited about coming to moulin rouge uh, at providence performing arts center uh it's got almost a two-week run and uh they have a good opportunity to go see it so what what can you say to convince people that might be on the fence or might not know anything about it or or what have you to try and get them to come out to the show i would say two things one there is truly something for everybody in the show and that's both from a musical standpoint as well as from a storytelling uh, standpoint it has spectacle but it also has intimate moments and nuanced moments but but also you know a jukebox musical as any show that uses catalog music is labeled is usually one where you start with the music and then use story to determine how to or rather you use the music to shape the store and so in in the case of moulin rouge it's the other way around we built the score in the same way that you would build an original score for an original musical like something built from the ground up so what we did was we outlined the whole story and then we spotted in the places for music and then i had to go and find and arrange and orchestrate prepare these songs to belong in this as if they've been written especially for for it so it's a uh, you know there's part of it is there's always the joy when you recognize a song but also i like to think that there are some some nice surprises in there and things where you hear these songs as if for the first time in a very different way well i appreciate you taking the time for the call and uh look forward to seeing the show and good luck in your future ventures absolutely thank you so much thank you Okie dokie. Thanks to Justin Levine for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Moulin Rouge will be at the Providence Performing Arts Center from December 19th through the 31st. For more, gitchy gitchy ya ya here to pbacri.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Graysale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet RI, and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening.